Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadu. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes... Restructuring domestic debt will undermine the health of the banking sector since capital adequacy will become a major challenge. Another justification why we're calling for the suspension of the debt exchange program. Government extends for the umpteenth time its debt exchange program following continuous opposition, including the one from the opposition demanding for its suspension. Also coming up, electricity tariffs up by 30% as PURC approves proposal by the utility service provider. And later on Eyewitness News... So actually we welcome uh, these investigations. I think that it's important for a project of this nature... Uh, to be above board. Mm. Uh, and, and so, I mean, we are almost uh, looking for the same thing. Uh, my, my, really, my concern, though, once again, to him is that um, just as he can do all that investigation, I mean, literally, when it comes to this transfer, there's the other issues, names and everything, that, yes, that, that, that's not... Uh, I, I've always known that his Adujan uh, fee, because that was his home, uh, that's what I've been informed, what his home uh, name. And normally, I think... National Cathedral Secretariat clarifies controversy involving its executive secretary who stands accused by MP Okujeto Ablakwa, who has since dragged him to the Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice Shraj. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we also have business later on in the bulletin headlines. Office of the Registrar of Companies announces increment in fees and charges on all transactions. That's Natalie Netty. She'll be back in 50 minutes with the latest in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations and across the globe. We are on citynewsroom.com. The show is also live on Facebook and uh, you can watch us by going to the CTFM Facebook page and drop your comments there so we know what your views on the issues that we are discussing are. On WhatsApp, the number is 0549-986-996. We are also on citynewsroom.com, our website, where you can see all the sights and sounds of what we have broadcasting for you here from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. My name is Umaru Sandawadu, here with Eno Safo, who brings us our first story. Eno? Government has announced that it is extending the deadline for bondholders to sign on to the domestic debt exchange to January 31 to allow for wider consultation. In its quest to address the country's ongoing economic challenges, the government launched the program to invite holders of bonds to voluntarily exchange approximately 137 billion Ghana City domestic notes and bonds of the Republic, including ESLA and Dache, for a package of new bonds. 
Awards. It is currently unclear how many institutions and individuals have signed on to the program as it has faced huge opposition from labor groups and individual bondholders. The situation has put government in a difficult position as it races against time to secure an IMF board approval for a $3 billion bailout. Last year from the minority in reaction to this particular call, uh, the Honorable John Abdullah Jinapo is a former deputy minister for PAR. He is MP for Yape Kuso in the Savannah region and member of the Finance Committee of Parliament. You're welcome to Eyewitness News, sir. Thank you. Thank you. If you were in this situation, and I recall you had your own challenges when you were in government, uh, you've had to go bring in badges, including uh, the Ameri one and the Turkish uh, vessel to come and support your power system. At the time, you thought that that was the right thing to do. There were times you imposed taxes and so on. This government is um, struggling economic-wise, and it says that the debt restructuring is the best way out. It's a bailout of a sort domestically. You have insisted that that should not be the way. They should be suspending that bailout, even though they keep postponing it, which is a sign of a struggle in getting people to buy into the policy, you still think that they should not proceed despite that it appears this is the only way out for them? Well, as you rightly indicated, they keep postponing it, which tells you that it's not well thought through. As you rightly indicated, they keep having challenges, not just with the NDC, with union, labor, and other stakeholders. You would recall that the president initially assured that there will be no haircut. It turned out to be false. The finance minister initially assured that individual bondholders will not be affected. It turned out to be false. Following the agitation by labor unions, the minister capitulated and agreed that pension funds will not be affected. So clearly, government itself is not sure of what it is doing. That is why we are calling on government. That much as the IMF program is important, the people of Ghana are more important than any other organization. And so they should pull the brakes and consult further. E-Levy, after so many attempts, based on consultation, now is 1%, and it does appear that people have accepted it. And I think that government shouldn't behave as if it knows it all. Government should exercise restraint, consult further, let's build consensus. This is not the first time a country is going through such a program. Other countries have done it before. Let's learn from best practices so that we can restructure this whole program and then have a smooth takeoff. If government insists on taking this belligerent, intransigent position, it will surely hit a rock. So when you say they should um, suspend and have discussions, stakeholder discussions, what can be removed, what can be added in your view? What is the quantum that we are talking of? Government hasn't made that known to us. What is the level of burden? What is the breakdown of the various bond holdings? What constitutes individual bond holding? If we exclude that, how much does it cost? If it's not too big, can we accommodate that in the fiscal space? Can we adjust expenditure and see how we can engage in austere measures? Can government itself, both legislature and the executive, cut back on some expenditure to accommodate this situation? In difficult moments like this, all of us ought to sacrifice everybody including government itself. The ordinary Ghanaian is not seeing that. 
you can talk to the ordinary Ghanaian. They are not feeling the sacrifice of even government. And so these are some of the areas that we can look at. And I believe that when we do that, we will have some progress. Very well. Now, there is a group that is opposing the government policy. That group, uh, some persons are looking at the legal route. Some are simply saying, do not subscribe to the to the program that the government is asking you to subscribe to. If these things continue the way they are going, another government has uh, rescheduled again to the end of January. You are familiar with how the IMF does its things. It means we are going to have a difficulty getting the IMF program, and consequently, our problems will continue to be worse. Certainly, because the IMF would not sign on Ghana until we make this important milestone. And this is an important conditionality. You must bring your debt levels to a certain acceptable limit before the IMF would sign you on. And so I agree that something must be done. But I'm saying that what government is doing appears not to be working. So they keep flip-flopping, they keep changing, they keep pushing the date. That should tell them that they ought to engage further. Listen further, build consensus, and I'm sure when they do that, we can make progress. If they come to you, and I believe or presuppose that they have not met the minority as a group yet, and put this on the table to you, what would you ask them to remove specifically? Or you just want to know the lump sum demand, then you can advise yourself. First of all, based on the back of the envelope estimation we make, if you exclude the individual bondholders, we are confident that you can still carry on with this program. What we will need to do is to reduce some level of expenditure. And I think that is something we should be able to do as a country. I mean, you are talking of the lives of individuals whose livelihoods depend on this small, small amount that they've invested in government bonds. So you can't penalize them for your own ineffectiveness and your own incompetence. I think it's something that if they sit with us, we can offer some suggestions to them as to even how to do it. You may even decide that you would give a certain percentage in terms of the interest. If, say, the interest is 20 or 30%, you might say that I might not be able to give you all the 30, but let's come to a win-win situation where maybe I give you 20 or something thereof. I mean, we are all rational. But to just say zero, nothing for the year, all of a sudden, people have not planned their lives, and you just say that's for this year, your bond, you won't get even a penny on it. If it matures this year too, I'm not paying you that money. I'm pushing it to 2027 and beyond. Nobody will accept this. Any rational human being will not accept this. Very well. Let me just do a quick uh, detour and talk about something that you've been talking about in the past few days. Five days ago, I think you published a letter which has been killed and uh, published by other websites. So my journal online says, Gold for oil deal is a charade, John Ginapo. City Newsroom says, Gold for oil deal is a recipe for disaster, John Ginapo. Uh, this one from Ghana Web says, Gold for oil, stop the deceit, John Ginapo. Uh, Ghana Web says, it continues to say, Ghana, Gold for oil policy will land Ghana in unsustainable debt levels. I'm looking at City Newsroom this afternoon. And the story is that the gold for oil deal has resulted in Ghana taking delivery of 40 million metric tons of first consignment. This arrived on Sunday. Would you take back your words? At what price per barrel? That's the most important thing. At what price per barrel? So the tools they are going to get cheaper.
crude oil. 40,000 metric tons of petrol and diesel can last for only four days. Four days. So the impact is minimal. Already, so, so this 40 million, I'm reporting 40 million. You're saying 40, 40 million last... 40,000 metric tons of diesel and petrol. Okay, I'm looking at the publication here. It says 40 million metric tons. How can you bring 40 million metric tons? A metric ton is not a small amount. Then I'm guessing it's uh, it's either a, a a typo on the public in the publication. Sure uh, yeah, 49 million liters or so. No, what I have here is 40 million metric tons. But I'll, I'll check if it's an well, error is on well, our side or on what the government has published to us. A metric, ton, a metric ton is what we normally call a tank when you are doing construction. That is one, one ton. To bring 40 million of that ton in Ghana, you can't even accommodate it. But I'm saying that the 40,000 metric tons of fuel they claim they've brought is enough for only four days. Where are the details? What was the cost of gold? What quantities of gold did they buy? At what price did they buy the gold? How much did they sell the gold to this oil producer? How much is the oil producer selling that gold to us? How many days will it take to repay that amount? We've done a lot of checks. Even today, as we speak, they have banned exporters of gold. That's a small-scale exporters of gold. Since 1st January, these are people who have taken money loans from their counterparts overseas, then all of a sudden you just tell them that, look, they cannot export gold. They should take it to PMMC. PMMC has not been able to establish letters of credit for these entities. And so we are dealing with a taking bomb. Government has consistently told us that it is not their business to engage in the sale, in the sale of petroleum products and that they've deregulated the sector. That's what government has continuously said. So what has changed? Why this sudden U-turn in such an opaque and clandestine manner? I'm telling you I'm not a prophet of doom, but from all the things and the documents I've read, we are heading for a debt crisis out of this so-called gold for oil deal. The government explains that we do know what the problem, and, and let me just say that, the error is on our public in our publication. The actual figure, and I've just been getting the corroboration from our city business desk, is forty thousand metric tons, and not forty Thank million you. as have been published. So, so, so you are right. Now, the government's explanation is that we have difficulties with the dollar in this country. Everybody's chasing the dollar, makes the dollar very expensive. In order that we do not have that problem where the CD will be struggling, do not buy crude with the dollar because if you need to use a dollar hard dollar to buy the crude you would have to change Ghana cities to buy the dollar and then in turn go get the crude. The government says we have gold that we dig from the belly of our earth. Instead of selling that to someone collecting dollars to go buy the crude let's give the gold to them and collect their oil. That is almost like butter isn't it? And that is fine and fair trade where our city would relax they say. That's a very, very lazy man's approach because that gold, first of all, ought to be expressed in its monetary value. You can't just say, take one gold, uh, an ounce of gold, and give me a barrel of oil as it used to be in the real butter that you are talking of. You must, first of all, value that gold in dollar terms, of currency or money. That is the first thing. So I have my gold. If I go to sell it, it's 
you have your oil. If you are selling it, it's $50. So take the gold and give me the oil. It's the same as selling that gold, taking my $50 and giving the $50 to you and taking your oil. This is simple financial analysis. I don't even see the complication yet. If you sell it in hard currency like dollar, and you take your dollars and you go to buy that crude, it's much the same as telling the person that, look, I'm going to sell my crude, my, my gold at this price. Will you take it and give me oil at a competitive price? So why is government saying they'll get cheaper oil? Based on the analysis I've made, and based on the analysis you have made, where is that cheaper oil? The cheaper oil will be oil, that... Oil is quoted on the international market. So the cheaper oil, if I get the sense, is that there will be less pressure on our CD, and then that would mean that the the CD depreciation that we've been recording would see a a significant rise, and and for them, that is huge. And maybe in five years' time, we could have a CD that is doing so well because we are not using the dollar to go after the crude. We have found an alternative route to get the 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 crude without selling or buying uh, or selling our CDs. That is even false. But let's even assume it is because you don't want your currency to reduce to to depreciate. That is not the same as buying cheaper oil. Cheaper oil means that oil is hundred CD. I'm getting it for eighty CD or ninety CD. That is what you say is cheaper oil. If you are doing this to manage your currency, if you are saying that Ghana. We are so broke now that our reserves are depleted. And so we do not have enough dollars to buy crude. So we are using gold as a backup so that we can buy crude. It's a different matter. Be honest and sincere. But don't tell us that you are going to get cheaper crude or cheaper finished product. That is not the situation. Very well. Let's leave it here for now. Thank you so much for speaking to us. That's Honorable John Abdullah Jinapo. He's a member of parliament for Yapekuso in the Savannah region. He is also a member of the Finance Committee of Parliament. He was once a deputy minister for power. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We are broadcasting also around the globe on, a, on citynewsroom.com. Around Ghana, we are on a number of stations, including Premier 100.5 FM in Takradi, Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi and Skyper 93.5 FM also in Takradi. In the Bono region, we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Suyani. Ashanti region, we are on Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi. In the Volta region, we are on Akpini Radio 96.7 FM in Kwando. On Heritage 107.3 FM in Hohoi. In the Northern region, we are on Dasuma 99.1 FM. In Yendi, Upper East, we are live on Word FM 88.3 in Zuarungu. In Upper West, we are on Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura. And Northeast Region, we are on Eagle 94.1 FM in Wale Wale. Do send us your messages 0549-986-996. This is Eyewitness News. When we come back, PURC has approved for ECG to charge you some 30% extra on what it has been charging you already. And water has also got its own Share. We'll come back, we'll break that down for you. Plus, more conversations on this gold for oil uh, matter, plus the debt restructuring program. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. Let's do some more stories. Pensioners Bondholders Forum says it would converge at the Ministry of Finance on Monday, January 23, to press home demands for the non-inclusion of their funds in government's debt exchange program. Addressing the media, the convener of the group, Dr. Duana Nienchi, says they will only call off their intended action when government invites them for negotiations. They should support uh, this effort and get these... Uh, the pensioners who are holding government bonds uh, to be exempted from the program. What we intend doing as today, we will try to see if we can get the minister to meet with us on this uh, petition. Since we said we are expecting him to let us meet him before four today, and after this press conference, we will make an attempt. A representative of the forum would go to the ministry and seek, try and see if we can get the minister uh, for a short meeting and uh, listen to him and tell us what has been done so far. We believe we will get the right response a positive response to our case. But if we don't get a positive response to our case, we have written to the police to grant us that we would embark on conveyance, we will convey at the Ministry of Finance and try to get the minister to speak with us if we don't get the minister today. That was convener for the Pensioners Bondholders Forum, Dr. Adu Anani Enchi. Yes, Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let me bring some of the messages you've been sending through. Uh, Daniel Atia in Dasoma says, Good evening, Umaru. The lack of extensive government or engagement uh, from this Akufado government is what has brought us here. This, they seem to know everything and won't accept any wrongdoing. Jack Nokwari from Hacho says, The stubbornness, arrogance, and we are smarter than everyone else attitude by the government is what will sink it and destroy the country. Help us, God. Uh, Nutifafa from Aplau says, a government, that does, a government that seeks to exchange pensioners' bonds in its domestic debt exchange program, should not be having over 15 communicators at its presidency. The wastage must stop. We are tired. Zil is doing in London, said this government is reckless and I will never ever forgive them for what they have done to me. Hogwash. Jones Adboy in La says, um, I have the men. I have the men. Not knowing they were not men enough. The egos, pension and ignoring all wise counsel is the cause of our woes. Send your message to 0549-986-996. Let's go to the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission, PURC now. Dr. Ishmael Aka is the Executive Secretary. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, thank you very much. Well, 
Well, all doesn't look well because of your press release today. You are saying that I'll be paying more for water and electricity when I go home tonight. Please tell us more. What, what, what exactly? How did you arrive at this? Okay, thank you very much. So we have uh, two major uh, seasons for tariff announcement. We have what we call the major tariff review. Uh, we do this every three years. But because the variables we use, uh, some of them uh, are not controlled uh, by us, uh, they are more like external, what we do is that and we go during the major tariff review, we forecast. When we forecast, some of the factors may be wrong or at times they may change. So every quarter, what we have is we do quarterly adjustment. Now, the quarterly adjustment depends on uh, four main factors. The exchange rate at the time of the major tariff review or at the time of the last announcement and the current exchange rate. So you, you trace it to, to check whether there was any under-recovery. That is what is happening. Is it higher or lower than what you used? And when you look at our tariff in September, we used 7.5 as the exchange rate. Uh, now it is even more than 10. So you look at over the period, and because uh, the utilities, ECG and others, they buy the power, most of the PPAs they sign, the power purchase agreement, the, the power is in dollars, and you have to convert to CDs. It means that they will be struggling to, to get power for us. That's the first one. Then you take Ghana water, uh, the chemicals they use to treat the water, they import most of them. So it means that the dollar is very important to them. So if you use a lower rate, then there will be some under-recovery. Other factors are the inflation we use at the time and inflation now. The hydrothermal mix, that is the energy mix, the hydro is quite cheaper. Uh, the thermal is expensive, but now we are using more thermal than hydro. Over 70% of our power is coming from thermal. And thermal requires um, fuel. So the last factor we consider is the cost of fuel. So most of our plants are using natural gas now. So at the last time we announced, the cost of gas in dollars was 5.9060. Uh, now it has gone up. Uh, due to a number of reasons. One of them is that when we were announcing in September, we are enjoying what we call the foundation gas from Jubilee. Free gas, about 200 billion cubic uh, feet of gas since we started oil production. That ended in December. So going forward, the next quarter, we're going to pay for gas from Jubilee in addition to other payments we, we do to for other fields. So all these factors uh, came into consideration and to find we had a number of scenarios and we, because of the current economic conditions, uh, we became quite conservative using the lower level numbers to, to reach where we go to. Thank you. Actually, that's what I was going to come to, to say that, well, you have considered all the factors that were put on the table by the uh, service providers, but have you also put on the table the factors uh, affecting Ghanaians currently? We do know that um, Russia is still in Ukraine, and we do know that our economy has taken a nosedive, and we do know that people are struggling. So while all of that is happening, the utility service providers, of course, would have to stay afloat, but we also do need to stay afloat. How did you juggle that? Did you hear from consumers as well to see if they can afford this percentage increase that you are announcing? Because it looks like 30% is rather on the high, isn't it? 
Hello, Doc. Doc, can you hear me? It appears uh, Doc um, has left the conversation. Um, he appeared to have made a submission, but we tried to re-establish contact with him. Uh, that's Dr. Ismail Aka. He's Executive Secretary of the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission. So the news is that the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission has announced, or rather approved, an increase in fuel and water tariffs. Electricity henceforth is increased by 29.96%, which is almost 30%, and water is getting 8.3%. Now, the commission, as you're just hearing there, is explained that it acknowledges the present economic challenges, but factors such as inflation, depreciation of the CD, have made it imperative for the upward adjustment. Mind you, the utility service providers have been uh, pushing for this increase for a while now. Often when they bring their figures, the PURC would um, cut it down further and approve the same. And so that is what has happened again. And that expectation is that you will be paying more for water and electricity. And the PURC, uh, almost sounding helpless there, that, well, they have to let these companies work. And they have also considered and given us the lowest of the figures. That is what they have actually Approved. We're having that conversation with Dr. Eshmelaka when we, we lost him there in that conversation. We try to re-establish contact with him. And when we do, we will be hearing uh, more from him on this particular uh, subject. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. While we wait for that, let's go back to the story we're talking about, the gold for oil. Shall we? Uh, no. Ghana has received its first consignment of oil under the Gold for Oil policy, according to City News sources. About 40 million metric, 40,000 metric tons of oil has been delivered from the United Arab Emirates yesterday. The Energy Ministry, the Bulk Oil Storage and Transportation, and OMCs are to formulate plans for its distribution and sale. The arrival of the fuel is expected to cause a decline in prices of fuel at the pumps. Government is of the firm belief that the policy would also tackle dwindling foreign currency reserves coupled with the demand for dollars by oil importers, which is weakening the local city and increasing living costs. Meanwhile, the governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, says the gold for oil policy by the government would help avoid the pressure on the exchange rates from the private oil marketing firms. And the idea behind it is that if we are able to have this government we probably might get it at a cheaper price than what the private sector can do. So that's one sort of And also because the central bank had already started the purchasing to boost our reserves, we already have an arrangement where we are getting gold for reserves. So the idea is to use that part of it to support uh, the oil operation.
And in this government to government arrangement works well. The idea is that the private sector, right, would the private sector that is trying to change foreign exchange and the market would finance their oil imports would not be adding pressure to the foreign exchange market. So those are the two benefits of the vote-to-oil program. First, the government-to-government benefit of being able to get crude oil at lower prices and then reducing that private sector pressure on the foreign exchange market. Dr. Ernest Addison is governor of the Bank of Ghana. Let's go back to the debt exchange program. Senor Hosi uh, is convener of the Ghana Individual Bondholders Forum. Senor, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Maro, and good evening to you, listeners. Good evening. You were on point blank. You insisted vehemently that Ghanaians should not accept the proposal by the government for a debt exchange. It appears Ghanaians have listened. The numbers were not looking encouraging. The government has extended further or postponed the deadline to the end of this month. What's your reaction? Um, I I think that that is in fair spirit. I won't say optimal spirit. Um, our our call has been quite simple. Uh, we do not find legitimate basis for the inclusion of um, individual bondholders in the mix. Um, as a body, we hold alternative options to help government um, deal with the crisis, and it starts with government looking within. And we also raised issues about the absence of um, consultation. That possibly would have brought light to bear on the broader implications of what government sought, um, sought to do. Um, it should have been well advocated. I think government should clearly, must now clearly understand our argument. But it's still fair for us to still sit down and have a conversation and see if there are any Functional alternatives that 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 may be considered um, as of as as of now, but it must be very clear we are dealing with lives here. Um, the broad structure that we have here um, is is not a very simple statistical consideration. You have to look at the broader economic implication and the sustainability of it. You are dealing with 6.5 million livelihoods that possibly depend on the investment. We are dealing with the savings culture and the sustainability of that itself because that is critical to the growth of any economy. All these are online by this single deed of government. And the question, does government really need this? Under its current own program in its own words, it's obvious it doesn't need to involve individual bondholders. But we are happy that at least there's an extension and we are certain. And I encourage Ghanaians, we should be really bold to defend that which is right. We should really not subject ourselves to any kind of oppression from anybody whatsoever. We must accept the deal that works and is sustainable for our lives because we are part of this country and the broader good of everyone. And that is what we'll be pursuing in our engagement with government. The government should please come to the table, not as a headmaster. They'll be talking to the wrong people if they do. They should come to the table as a partner as a partner and as service officers of our state, looking at the solution that's functional for all of us. And we are very open-minded. We have great ideas we think can, can help, help, help structure the current crisis. But it must start within. Umaru, government has planned a 40% increment in its expenditure. Does that look like a government that is broken? 
when you are broke and you have challenges, don't you cut your expenditure? When you are broke and you actually have so many workers in your house, you have somebody who polishes your shoe, you have somebody who mounts your security, somebody who washes your clothes, who washes your children, different, different people, and you have all this. When you get broke, you reduce the size of your staff or possibly do the things yourself. These are things that must be properly considered and optimized in government's fiscal culture. There are things government must do. Look at its own over-politicization of its economic activity. A case in point, GRA and the VAT, VAT invigilation. No, the GRA people have reported that in doing this, there has been an increment of 1,000% in particular places. Is it a revenue to the state, but for political reasons and partisan reasons, not rather thinking about the country, just thinking about your political com- comfort at a given point in time. You just decide that it should be suspended. Then you turn around and say that you are not generating revenue. Who do you think you are joking with? You know, these are the kind of constituencies. You look at the petroleum sector. A lot of tax evasions. I'm here at the forefront of this. I brought it to the uh, attention of government. We have held EMT meetings of EMT meetings. There have been strong interventions from the, the, the vice, vice president. Only for the Ministry of, of, of Finance to stop them. Why? Politics again. And that you're talking about 5 billion cities. You're talking about the Auditor General. And the revenue that's being lost. Tell me, who is pursuing the money? So, so when people, it's not a matter of just expenditure. The fiscal space also has to do with revenue. Government has to reset its attitude, its culture, its orientation to really deal with the crisis. Because this crisis did not come from space. They did it because they, they saw it and were not responsible about it. But we are one country and we have to work together. We don't have any other country. So Ghana must work. But it needs us to take responsibility appropriately. So if you went before a meeting with the government, you are first of all going to make sure that you shake the government completely, all coins fall off before you are willing to give out yours. No, I'm saying government must be ready to shake all coins off. And there's one group we have not really discussed properly, and that's the central bank. The central bank has a major responsibility in this. They know they've been self-optimal in this particular management of this particular affair. The central bank gives us all signals. They tell us that government bonds are fully secure. Who has better information about the, about the economy than the central bank? No one. And you keep this kind of same rich rating and then encourage investors to do so. Today, I went to, I drove past SEC and I saw on the board, protecting customer investors, investments. How have they protected us? What adequate information have they shared? We must all reset the way we do our things. Put politics at the back when it has to do with the economy and the economics. And the fall is the sustainability of our country. Because when Ghana is good economically, whether you're in opposition or you're in government, it is good for you. It is good for your children. It's good for your children's children. And that must be the thinking. Have you been approached, though, since you formed this group and started opposing the government? Have you been approached formally or even informally by the government on this issue? I have been informally approached. Of course, Umaru, you know I have a lot of friends in government um, and, and friends across the aisle as well. So um, I have I've had some informal conversations. But... Um, 
that's not as you hold much sway. So we are making proper decisions and proper calls that drive sustainability or resolution of this matter. I'm just hoping that this formal um, opening for 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 our group and and other other groups alike will be quite productive. But the right attitude must be there, well. and the broader policy thinking must. Be. One one thing, Omaru, we have all forgotten that property rates are supposed to go up, and government is one of the major sources of government's revenue. So the people who are supposed to pay the same property rate, you are taking away their money, and you are still going to even deepen the tax on them. How does that balance? How do you take water from stone? Exodus 5.1. Let my people go. Thank you. Thank you, Moses, for speaking to us. Sorry, Senor. <laughs> Senor Moses, convener of uh, the Ghana Individual Bondholders Forum. Talking about that, the Ghana Securities Industry Association has also issued a statement. GSI is a short form of the group. And it says, we welcome the Ministry of Finance's decision to extend the deadline of the offer to January 31, 2023, following a request to the Minister of Finance for an extension and a binding, and a binding commitment that it would equally apply any better terms that may be extended to any party under a domestic debt and sustainability program in a letter dated January 13, 2023. The ministry's position that it will use this period to further engage with stakeholders, especially individual bondholders, to mitigate any adverse impact is also heartwarming, given that we also reiterated that the commercial terms of the amended offer fell below our expectation. We take this opportunity to remind the ministry of our unwavering position that individual bondholders should include persons who hold bonds directly and those who hold bonds indirectly, i.e. individuals having shares, units in collective investment schemes that have invested in government bonds and persons on whose behalf bonds are held for in trust accounts, a position also espoused by the Ghana Individual Bondholders Forum. This is critical to ensure equity and fair treatment of all individual bondholders and will further make the exchange program more progressive. We at the GSIA are still committed to working with the Ministry of Finance to arrive at a fair exchange program where we all contribute to overcoming our economic challenges. So that's a statement issued by this particular group as well, giving his view on the subject. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And when we come back, we'll talk about the National Cathedral. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. The Member of Parliament for North Tong, Samuel Okujutuablakwa, has expressed confidence in Traj to deal with the conflict of interest allegations against Member and Secretary of the Board of Trustees of the National Cathedral, Reverend Victor Kusibwating. The parliamentarian this afternoon presented a petition to the Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice after he uncovered links between the Secretary to the Trustees and JNS Talent Centre Limited, which is captured as being paid 
paid 2.6 million Ghana cities by the National Cathedral Secretariat for construction mobilization. After presenting the petition, lawyer for the MP, Eduji Tamaklo, indicated that they have enough evidence to get a favorable verdict. My client makes the point that he sees clear evidence of conflict of interest involving one of the trustees. And as you are aware, since they are in trust position, a certain level of um, good faith and candor is required in their dealing with the trust, which is the cathedral project. Now, it does appear from the evidence available that an amount of 2.6 million Ghana cities um, have been moved from a private entity to the cathedral and back to this private entity. We are asking for an investigation into it. And as you are aware, the powers of Shraj to investigate allows it to go beyond what you see ordinarily to look at the real issues behind some of the payments. And we have presented all the necessary documents to Shraj, and we are very confident that Shraj will live up to its constitutional responsibility to investigate these matters of conflict of interest relative to how monies meant for the cathedral project were expended. Thank you. How, 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 how was the team received by um, the authorities here at Shraj? No, remember that um, the officials here are public officers and they acknowledge that whatever the Honorable Minister, um, the Honorable MP is doing is within the constitutional responsibility as a public, as a citizen. You recall the Article 40 of the 1992 Constitution, the directive principles of state policy, and joins every citizen of this republic to ensure that we prevent misuse of public funds and public resources. It is within this spirit that they received us. And it is that public-spirited action by the Honorable um, Member of Parliament for um, 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 the, the, the people of North Tong that is what has brought us here and they receive us so well this wouldn't be your first uh, representing somebody as Shraj per your experience what should we expect how do we uh, follow this what should we expect to follow no as 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 you rightly pointed out um, having provided legal representation for Brodajin fee in the Kenborn um, 2.25 million issue uh, we are aware how the Shraj report came to the point that Shraj's report was not favorable and the Honorable Finance Minister had to go to the courts to, as it were, um, try to set aside the Shraj report on the 2.25 billion um, bond. Uh, we've covered all the necessary loopholes from that learning. Edugi Tamaklo's lawyer for Member of Parliament for North Tong, Samuel Okujetua-Blakwa. Meanwhile, Samuel Okujetua-Blakwa has described as an afterthought a statement released by the National Cathedral Secretariat justifying the transaction on grounds the amount is payment for a loan received from JNS Talent Centre Limited and Reverend Kusi Boati. Look, let's be honest. The Cathedral Secretariat statement is very ridiculous, absolutely preposterous. And they have to credit the Ghanaian people with some discernment. You brought your own documents to Parliament and told us that you paid JNS 2.6 million Ghana cities as contractors' mobilization. That's what your own document said. When did this become a loan? And why didn't you state 
in the original documents you brought to Parliament that this was a loan. This is a ridiculous afterthought. After they have been exposed, after we have found out that Kwabna Edujemfi is apparently Reverend Victor Kusi Boateng, one and the same. Direct, blatant conflict of interest. So we will not run after ridiculous afterthoughts. This has been a national cathedral drowning in deception, in fraud, in lies, and they have no respect for the Ghanaian people. So we have confidence in Shraj. We will wait for the Shraj investigations. And I have confidence in our lawyers that they will give us quality representation. At the end of the day, it's about the people's resources. Let's remember that all of what we are doing in carrying out our constitutional mandate of oversight is about protecting the public purse. See where this country is. Look at the state of the economy. We can't guarantee the payment of pensions. We can't pay individual board holders. Their life savings, what they have invested, they can't be guaranteed their returns. This country is now broke. It's insolvent. We are in junk status by all the rating agencies. We can't pay NAPCO workers who are owed many months. We can't pay school feeding caterers. We can't buy textbooks. Look at the state of the Ghanaian economy. We can't employ the youth. We say for this whole year, job freeze. We don't have money to pay them. We've gone under an IMF program. Is this what we should be doing? Diverting scarce public funds, the taxes of the people, into all of these shady deals. JNS, when, when was JNS licensed as a lending entity? When? You had Member of Parliament for North Tong, Samuel Kujutua-Blakwa. We can now hear from the uh, National Cathedral Secretariat. A response was offered on Asasi Radio today when the uh, officials appeared to answer questions on this particular matter. Listen. This 27th uh, of August, and then September 8th, September 8th, we transferred the money back to JNS. I mean, this is very verifiable information. Our concern is when a member of parliament will use just one, uh, which is our transfer, which we had actually indicated to Parliament. We sent the... Uh, you sent the report uh, to Parliament. Yes, because yeah. if there was, I mean, uh, shady deals, we didn't include that. Uh, because we've been transferred. We sent all the documentation. So why not so there's this idea that somehow uh, documents are being intercepted? There's not a single document that has been intercepted. Right. All these things are in the public domain from the disbetment news from the finance minister to our own transfers. We send this. So there are two transfers and yet only one. The, the, the transfer to uh, JNS, in fact, what we had actually indicated, in fact, it was just what we indicated in our reporting, our counting. So that's an interview on Asasi Radio. Um, let me bring you another flavor of what was said uh, in response to Samuel Kujitwa Blackwa's campaign against the National Cathedral. Listen. 
members of parliament willfully distort this kind of information, it becomes dangerous to our democracy. Uh, so the issues who address them, uh, there, there's no criminality. I mean, in fact, almost everything they said uh, we've done uh, has turned out to be false. And so I think there's almost a desperation that they're trying to uh, find. But there's nothing uh, criminal about this. It's, it's really a normal organizational phenomena when board members normally will step in, uh, when organizations, they uh, board members of uh, are in difficulty. So um, I, I like that you mentioned that you know there's no criminality and uh, but uh, but uh, you know definitely the public's interest is piqued uh, by uh, the. Um, information that has been put out um, over the last few days. Uh, so it is indeed true that from from your assertion that JNS is connected to a board member of the National Cathedral Secretary. Well, absolutely. In fact, uh, it's actually one of our board members, uh, Reverend Kusi Boating. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember uh, there was this issue uh, of paying. Uh, the contractors for their mobilization mm-hmm. and uh, we had received a uh, notification that that transfer had been made by the Ministry of Finance okay. uh, and then we had informed the uh, contractors and this had delayed for quite some time so you kind of uh, wanted to be sure that this time around uh, the information we were giving them so, and then we had a call from the, the controllers uh, department that he couldn't transfer the money the date uh, they had promised apparently those issues to do with some payroll issues that they and so then the board member says look we've promised these people uh, he'll be willing to uh, give us a loan and, and, and really these are all verifiable information mm. I mean so then we said okay let, let's then uh, request officially for this loan so we okay. sent uh, documentation I mean August uh, 26 so that's uh, Paul Opoku Mensa he's executive director of the National Cathedral uh, secretariat and uh, he was answering questions when he appeared on Asasi Radio this morning speaking to Insha Ado, the host. There was an issue where uh, there's another controversy. The Honorable Samuel Tuablakwa says he has cited two passports belonging to Reverend uh, Dr. Kusi, Victor Kusi Buatin uh, bearing two names, one Kwabna Edu Jemfi and another Victor Kusi Buatin and he says that is a wrong thing to be happening as a noble member of parliament he has actually gone to strike. Let's listen to the response from Paul Opoku Mensa on this particular matter as well. Listen. Uh, we admire his uh, quest for accountability and we welcome that. Uh, I still insist that there's been no criminality so actually we welcome uh, these investigations. I think that it's important for a project of this nature uh, to be above board. Mm. And, and so... I mean, we are almost uh, looking for the same thing. Uh, my, my, really, my concern, though, once again to him is that uh, just as he can do all that investigation, I mean, literally, when it comes to this transfer, those are the other issues, names and everything, that, yes, that, that, that's not... Uh, I, I've always known that his Adujan uh, fee, because that was his home, uh, that's what I've been informed, was his home... Uh, name and normally I think there was even a uh, Supreme Court decision that that uh, you can use your home name and your other name interchangeably. I mean, so that that that's uh, other issues. But once again, just sending to track, we'll, we'll get to find out all the details. Yeah. So that's uh, Paulo Poco Mensa, his executive director of the National Cathedral Secretariat, speaking to Shadow on Asasi Radio. This is Eyewitness News on ninety-seven point three. CTF. We'll be back with the latest in the world of business and then point blank. Please stay with us.
let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Get the details of every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News and Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netilinete Ajaho. Let's settle for the details. The Office of the Registrar of Companies has announced an increment in the fees and charges on all transactions, including incorporation and registration of businesses, amendments and the filing of annual returns. The increment which took effect from January 1, 2023, is in line with the Fees and Charges Act 2022, Act 1080. In a statement issued by the Office of the Registrar of Companies, the changes in fees and charges would apply to the registration and amendment of business names, subsidiary business names, partnerships, external companies and professional bodies, as well as the incorporation of companies limited and unlimited by shares and companies limited by guarantee. The statement further noted that from the 1st of June 2023, the ORC would for the first time fully implement Section 126 of the Companies Act 2019, Act 992. This states that where a company defaults in complying with the filing of annual returns and financial statements, the company and every officer of the company that is in default is liable to pay to the registrar an administrative penalty of 25 penalty units for each day during which the default continues. The Bank of Ghana says the day-to-day pressures on the economy are a major contributing factor to the depreciation of the city. Although the city appreciated against the dollar within the last two months of 2022, it is currently depreciating further against the dollar. Appearing before the Public Accounts Committee of Parliament, the Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, provided some reasons for the new trend in the exchange rate. It's a flexible market. It will reflect movements on the day-to-day basis. Uh, if there is additional demand uh, for CDs, the currency will the central bank cannot fix the exchange rate. Uh, it depends on what transactions are taking place uh, that week. Uh, maybe they have to payments to contractors. Uh, those are any payments. Typically, that type of payments can move the exchange rate because some of them immediately convert to foreign exchange. It could be payments for energy. For the energy sector, a lot of the energy sector uh, payments are also, you know, outputs to the impact of the foreign exchange market. So the, the exchange rate really reflects a lot of day-to-day pressures in the economy. Dr. Ernest Addison is the, is the governor of the Bank of Ghana. The National Communications Authority, NCA, has proved the transfer of 70% majority shares of Vodafone to Telcel Group. The NCA declined an earlier application from Vodafone Ghana in January last year. However, statements from the NCA indicate that Telcel in December 2022 resubmitted a revised financial and technical proposal which demonstrated that it needed capital investment to extend the deployment of 4G and launch innovative fintech solutions. 
According to the NCA, the revised proposal provided clarity and certainty in terms of funding required for the acquisition. It has thus granted conditional approval for the transfer of shares to Telcel. Economist and lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School, Dr. Patrick Assuming, is urging government to take a more open and constructive approach in its engagements with stakeholders in the domestic debt exchange program. This comes on the back of government's announcement to extend the deadline to register for its domestic debt exchange program to January 31, 2023. The finance ministry in a tweet on Monday said it is extending the date for enough consultation with various stakeholders. Reacting to government's announcements, Dr. Patrick Assuming described government's decision to extend the deadline to register for the program to January 31 as expected. I think it was expected. I mean, as at uh, Friday, if you see where we are and the growing opposition to the terms of the exchange, you always knew that it was inevitable that the, the deadline would be extended. But, you know, if we extend the deadline and we don't do, the government don't do things differently, I'm afraid that the deadline might be extended again because it looks like the opposition to the, the exchange has grown and is growing over time. So I, I hope that the government will use this, take advantage of this extension to do a more constructive uh, engagement with the people who are affected to try and come to a resolution, something that will be agreeable to everybody. What we've been doing so far is terms are announced and it's a give or take. And then people will look at it and they say, no, we won't absorb these losses. So I think we shouldn't be just an extension. Extension with the view to doing proper engagement and get something that is agreeable to Ghanaians. And then we can move on with uh, the testing. Dr. Patrick Assuming is an economist and lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School. A senior economist at the Natural Resource Governance Institute, Dr. Alex Mpabing, believes government must move away from the knee-jerk approach of revenue mobilization if the current situation is to improve. His call follows government's implementation of the increment and VAT rate in the 2023 budget as part of its domestic revenue mobilization efforts. Dr. Mpabing is of the view that this approach is not workable in the long run, hence the need for government to make efforts at extending the tax brackets to cover grey areas in the interest of the economy. Revenue generation is not an emergency, that whenever we need to, we quickly go in and then look for the easy hanging fruits. No, we need to have a well-structured revenue generation system. We need to look for all the various tax handles and opportunities out there to generate revenue. We don't really need to increase VAT to get about 2 billion or so projections uh, in order to show the IMF you can do it. Property tax can generate more than 5 to 10 times the revenue that the VAT is going to generate if we do give it the proper attention. Government cancel the toll boot. We are all looking forward to see government reintroducing a digitized form of uh, road levy or, or property or road taxes for, for car owners, for example. All this didn't happen. Now we also have opportunity to tax the informal sector better. There are real drivers. These are the sectors, according to the Ghana Statistical Services, are contributing to over 60% of economic activities. But their tax contribution is about 2%. So it's time for government 
to sit down, do a proper system audit. Dr. Alex Ampabing is a senior economist at the Natural Resource Governance Institute. And that's all for City Business News. On Eyewitness News, it was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netelineti Ajahu. Up next is Point Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Omar Sanda Amado. Tonight on Point Blank, we have some disturbing breaking news coming through. One person has been shot as police work to disperse youth massing up at the Damongo police station, demanding the release of eight people arrested in Bupe for allegedly burning houses belonging to Fulani people. We are told that there was a call by the Bupeura Junapod II on the police to arrest the perpetrators. The youth of Bupe, led by the Gonja Land Youth Association, have been protesting the enskiment of a chief belonging to the Fulani ethnic group. Let's go on the lines and speak to our correspondent, uh, Richard Fogger, who is currently in Damongo. Richard, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Tell us more. Uh, thank you very much, Sandra. As you just uh, told uh, our listeners, uh, today, some youth of Wipe uh, protesting the enskinment of a Fulani chief of a suburb of the town called Mandi went to that area and demolished some houses and also burnt some houses they believe belong to uh, the Fulanis who are supposed to be developing that area. Now, before today, the youth had issued an ultimatum to the uh, who is the paramount chief of the Bube Transition Area to reverse uh, that enskinment. And that if that was not done, they would advise themselves. I believe that what they did today is that advice. So uh, that having happened, the Bupewura, after getting those threats, put in a committee to look into the matter. Uh, the report had not come, and today came, and what they did, they did. So the Bupewura called a pressure and then said he had reversed the decision uh, to enskin the, the, the chief. And so the chief, the third person, is no longer a chief. But whilst doing that and uh, uh, yielding to the demands of the youth, he said that the burning of the houses and pulling some down was criminal and insisted that the police would have to arrest the perpetrators 
and take them through the full rigors of the law. Those were his words. And said the chiefs will assist the police to ensure that all of them are fished out. Hours later, police moved in and arrested eight people and brought them to Damango, the Havana regional capital. And now that news having broken, the youth of Damango or some youth in Damango uh, went to the police station in several numbers, maybe 200, 300, demanding the release of uh, the arrested uh, persons. Once we were there, we saw a truck come in, and my investigation is that that truck was from Bipe, bringing some youth also from Bipe. The leadership of the Gunjalan Youth Association went to the police station in an attempt uh, to bail the, set, uh, the arrested uh, persons. But the police had just come in and uh, 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 the processes were yet to go through, but the numbers of the youth kept increasing. So uh, the authorities were to relocate the the, uh, the people that were arrested. The youth then tried to prevent that movement of uh, the people. But the police managed to move them away. And later, guns were fired at the police station, uh, one shot with live uh, ammunition. And one uh, young man was shot on the uh, left in the uh, left shoulder, and so that angered the youth even more. So they had to call in the the military. So as I speak to you, the the police station in Damango is being guarded by the military, and so the youth then send their attention to the overlord of the Gunja traditional area, the Yebungura. So Omar, as I'm speaking to you, the youth are at the palace. They said they are going to sleep here until the arrested uh, eight are brought to the palace, to, to the Yabungura. Yabungura, to tell Bipewura to bring the youth that were arrested to the palace of the Yabungura, else they are going to sleep here. I saw some of the leadership making calls to their branch chairman to mobilize people and come to the palace of the Yabungura. So currently, that is what is happening in, in Damangua at the moment. So the Yagbawura is where, Yagbawura's palace is where they are in Damongo. His sub-chief, who is a Bupewura, is the one who did the installation of the chief for the Fulani community. Exactly. What is exactly. the difficulty with the Gonjalan Youth Association in the enskinment or installment of the Fulani chief in the area? Okay, so uh, what they were saying is that uh, the land belongs to Gunjas. So the enskinment of a chief for a place calling it Monday and putting a Fulani man there means that the land has been handed over to uh, the wrong person and that's against the traditions of the the town or of the of Gunja people. And so they were protesting it. They also said that the the the, the sick area what has been sold by Bipewura to the uh, the Fulani uh, 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 community, which today at the press conference, the Bipewura denied. He said that people who are going just have land there, Camarades have land there, and he mentioned names of some uh, Gunjas who are even developing in that area. And that the enskinment of the chief was not giving the chief entitlement to the land. But everywhere they have Fulani chiefs, who are supposed to be a leader for the people, the Fulanese, in that area. So that is exactly what he did. By not making the person the chief 
of Mande as land, but to lead the people there. So it does appear uh, whether the Gonjalan Association does not believe what Bipura is saying or they just don't understand. But that was the point that they made much earlier and so uh, demanded that the enslavement be reversed. Richard, please stay on the line. Do not go away. I want to go on the other line and speak to the Bupeura's palace. Let me go on the line and speak to Neri Peura Abubakar Kitsin Panfia. He is secretary of the Bupeura Jinapo uh, II. Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much. What is the backstory to this issue that is developing, which has even turned violent in, in Damongo now, even though it started from your area? Thank you very much. As you stated, my name is Mary Bakari Kipson I'm the secretary to Mukira Dinapo II, and the coordinator for customary land secretary. I'm the one in charge of all lands in the traditional area. And this whole issue is about um, a planning uh, leader that Mikura appointed for one particular area we created recently known as Mande in Bukit traditional area. And a land also in connection with the leadership that we have given to one of the planning men in Bukit. It started when a planning group called Capital Kulaku approached Bukira in need of a land for vocational school and for a college. Bukira gave them the land for that vocational school, which is five or four acres. And the college also came, took one acre, one plot, that is five plots in, in, in all, in all making it nine acres. The youth came up and said the Pura has given 70 acres, others are saying five uh, kilometers square, which is not true. Currently, when you go to the land, we only issue five acres for the planning to build the vocational school and the build their vocational school and the and the, 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 the college. So when we finish all these things, you know in Ghana it is constitutional right for individuals to take a land for development. After giving them some of the planning developed interests that they want places to build. And when you ask them where do you want, they say the place where you, they want to put up the college. And to be frank with you, it's not only the planning that are living in that area. We also have the indigents who also have plots. Even Bupira himself has a house at that area. But the people in the Gunjalan is taking it as if we have given the planning Assolation, or we have assolated them and we have given them a very big land to settle. That is not the case. And whoever wants, you can come to the ground and have a feel of what is happening. So when they say we have skin a chief, traditionally we didn't skin any planning as a chief. We didn't. 
the Fulani people just came, took the man to their own tradition. And we only gave a leadership to that man. And the day Bukura has given him that title, he told him that today, I have given you this title, but you will report one of my parties known as Kunshura, which the videos are there for evidence sake, which is known as Kunshura. And Kunshura will then report to me. And you have right, you have no right to do anything on that land or to summon anybody without passing through my subject. So after this, the youth came up and said they will not agree. Bukira has seen a Fulani man as a Monday chief. Bukira has called the youth to come so that they will sit and see how they can resolve this issue. The youth refused. The dissect called the youth. And Bukira has also selected some five member committee to meet the dissect with the youth to resolve this issue. The youth said they will not speak with the chief. The last one was this week when Bupira selected a seven-member committee because he is a chief who wants peace to reign in his traditional area. That, that seven-member committee should go with that meet the youth, and listen to them. Whatever decision and the committee will bring to him, he will embrace it. And actually, the committee met with Dysek, and they come up with their decision that Mupira should revoke the esteemment as they are saying. Meanwhile, we know that we didn't any planning man. We have only given a leadership to a planning man. Mupira said, fine, there is no problem. I will call the media and call my subjects and people in Mupira to come today, 9 o'clock, as the youth have agreed that this is their problem, I will also do it for them for peace to reign. So this morning, that step came, the sub-chiefs and queen mothers and elders of Ukraine came, the media came, and we were just getting ready to go for the press conference when we heard that the youth have mobilized and they are demolishing some uh, houses belongs to Planiman. From there, at the land, at the Mandi land. From there, they also moved to the market. Today is Mupi's market. They moved to the market at the cattle ride, where the planners are searching for the the, the, the leader that Mupira has selected for the Mandi community to kill. When they get to the market, the man was not there. They moved to his house and set it on fire. Before the police could get there, they were not there again. So Bukhira said, as for this one, it's criminal. And criminal cases are handled by police. I have no hands in this, because this is no more efficiency issue, this is no more land issue, this is no more traditional issue. Setting somebody's house on fire, it is criminal issue, so police should handle it. So the police and the army around went around and then did some arresting. And since the beginning, when they are calling for leadership of this youth known as uh, Concerned Youth uh, of Bukhe, they will say they don't have leadership. And all the letters they write are anonymous letters because they don't sign. They don't do anything. They don't sign. Meanwhile, 
they said they they they, they are uh, an association, an association that cannot boast of leadership, an association that doesn't sign their letter, which is which was very worrisome. So currently, this is the issue at hand. Bupeda is a chief who wants peace to reign, and you 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 can you can count the number of chiefs who bring out rules and finally say, I'm cancelling this. Out of 10, it's not easy to even get a single one. But Bukira is such a chief who listens to his subject. And by accepting all what the committee has put before him, without editing anything there, and told you people, look, you said you want this, you want this. I'm doing this for you, I'm mm. doing this for you. For okay. the sake of peace, How How is the doing himself, though? Because we are told that the youth have... Uh Converge on the on the Yagbongura's palace in Damongo. What is happening in Bup- in Bupe? Are you are you are you safe? Is your palace okay? Yes, for for Bupe, our palace is safe. And as of now, as I'm saying, we have some uh, uh, policemen and some uh, uh, army men who are here uh, guiding the palace. They are at Yagbongura's palace because when the people were arrested in Bupe here. They were taken to Damangu, so the youth in Damangu and also some of them in Bupi here mobilized and went to Damangu. Okay, so, and so, I said so from uh, Damangu after the statement, they have taken them to Tamale. Yes, my correspondent is actually there. Uh, we'll be getting all, all those updates. But thank you so much for speaking to us, uh, and uh, please be safe. Welcome, That's Neri Peura Abubakar Kitsin Mpanfia. He's secretary of the Bupeura Jinapo the second in Bupi in the Savannah region. Our correspondent Richard Fogo is still on standby in Damongo, the regional capital of Savannah. Uh, Richard, so has the situation calmed down since the last time we spoke? Uh, not really. They, I'm still at the, at the uh, Yabungura's palace. The youth are still here uh, because nobody has spoken to them. There is no uh, chief that they can see here. The palace is locked up, uh, but they believe the Yabungura is in and so they want to hear something else. They are not moving. And their demand is that the eight that have been arrested be released. Uh, so they are still here at the, at the palace. Uh, it's time for prayers. I've seen some uh, uh, praying, but they are still here. But they are not making noise. They are just standing quietly uh, in front of the entrance to the main auditorium of the palace, uh, Omar. What numbers are we talking about, the people who are there? Uh, at the moment, uh, just around uh, 100, I-, I would say. But uh, like I said, I heard them making calls, and I don't know whether uh, their calls will be heeded to making calls on the phone uh, to their branches to mobilize people and come to uh, the palace. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, there is no any security here at the Yebo World Palace. As uh, the Secretary of the Bureau said, there are police presence at the Bureau World Palace, but here there is no police or military presence at the palace of the Yagumura. So there is no attacking happening, no vandalism happening, no assault on anybody as we speak? Not at all. But one person was was shot, and then uh, another house is destroyed. Yes. Very well. Thank you so much. Keep an eye on that story, uh, Richard, and I'm sure you'll be feeling us in more uh, as, as, as the hours come, and indeed you'll be on the city newsroom later 
on City TV at 8 p.m. For those who want to see pictures of what uh, Richard Fogo, our correspondent in the Savannah region, has been sharing, uh, do watch City Newsroom at 8 p.m. on City TV. But that would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou, production by Beverly London and uh, Fred Tetejaman, as well as Sami Wiafi, the technical support from Daniel's Kwashi. We return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.